Hello, and welcome to Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We are going to hear stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Social Workers Rise podcast. It is your host, Catherine here. I am so glad that you are with us today because we have a really special treat for you. Today, we're going to be talking about how to be a self-advocate and we're talking with Miss Danielle Cabo and she is an international speaker for organizations, associations, and the public sector. She works with audiences to really harness the grit and resilience to lead through change. And as social workers, I know that you know we need to have a lot of grit in this field, and we definitely have to have those resilient skills in place already so that when life gets hard, heck, even grad school, you might even, you definitely need this in grad school to get through that. You need that resilience to get you through when life gets hard, that you don't stop, you don't quit. And Danielle has over 15 years of corporate experience in the medical sales industry. She knows how to build high-performing teams that overall just increase productivity and how to create a place that employees actually want to stay. Uh, Her expertise includes corporate resilience and burnout prevention. Yes, please. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited too to have you. So that is like a brief kind of overview intro of you. Tell us in your own words, you know, who are you? What do you do? I am I like I like you mentioned spent my most of my career in corporate America but since then um have really enjoyed this new journey that I'm on which is uh becoming an author and writing and also doing speaking engagements and really taking this concept of igniting transformation from when I was in corporate which was just a leading a team to now how can I make an impact on a greater scale? And that's what's led into the speaking business. But outside of work, I'm a mom to six-year-old twin boys, and my boys have more energy than a squirrel on a triple espresso. So they keep me on my toes at all times. And then I'm also a military spouse as well. So when we talk about change, I've got it in all areas of my life. It's always constantly changing in my life. Yes. And I also have a six-year-old daughter. So I understand how hectic and change is is the only thing constant in our lives, especially when we're working full-time, we have kids, you know, our spouse is being a military spouse. I imagine that's hard because your spouse is kind of like physically in and out of, of, um, the home, you know, Mm -hmm. like a lot of different changes. There's deployments, there's times away. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of different changes there. I really wanted to kind of dig into this topic about building an advocate system and the importance of self-belief. So 
that's a, that's that's like a lot just to start with. So first, what are you talking about when you say you know build it, building an advocate system? Like what what is an advocate system, and how do we know if we need one? I believe that we all need an advocate system because, as you've said, life is constantly changing, whether it's in our personal or our professional life. And I've learned the difference of what an advocate system and a support system can be when I was going through postpartum depression. When uh, my twin boys were born uh, six weeks early, so they were premature, they spent 17 days in the NICU. And right after they got out of the NICU, just two weeks shy of getting out of the NICU, or two weeks after getting out of the NICU, I was... I found myself in extreme pain, like a sharp, agonizing pain that I immediately collapsed to the ground and was rushed to the hospital. And it ended up being that right as the physician is coming in to tell me that I have gallstones and I need to have my gallbladder removed, I see on the TV in red, bold letters, breaking news, Category 5 hurricane is headed to Tampa. Stop. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it keeps going. Just shortly shy after seeing the news, I get a call from my husband letting me know that he's been activated with the military and he needs to move his – he's a Black Hawk pilot in the military and he needs to move his helicopters from, from uh, Florida all the way up to the Northeast. So I am at a point where I look at the, ho- I look at the physician and I say, I can't have surgery. The pain had passed because the Goldstones had passed. But the physician said it wasn't a matter of if I was going to have gallstones again. It was a matter of when I was. But at that point, I needed to go home and I needed to board up my house. Oh, and my gosh. It was through that experience um, where we ended up losing power for four days. And one of my boys was hooked up to a heart monitor, to a generator uh, through the through the storm. We ended up making it making it through okay. But it was through that experience where I learned the power of having a support system. Because shortly after that time, I was having issues again. And I remember going up to my neighbor. And you know how you have those neighbors where you say hi in passing, but you don't really engage in a conversation. It's just kind of a, hey, how's it going kind of conversation. Well, I ended up going up to my neighbor because I needed to go to the hospital again. My husband is at home with the kids and I had no other resources. And I went up to my neighbor and asked her if she could take me. And she took me to the hospital. She sat by my side the whole entire time. And it ended up being that I was having, I was going through postpartum depression. And the entire week afterwards, she sat by my side every single day so that I could take care of my kids. And she was there just to, just to be a friend. And what I learned through that experience is when we have a support system, it is, and we have somebody to call on when something happens, when the unexpected happens. And I know now because of building a support system that at any given time, I'm going through a challenge, there's somebody that I can call. And what I've learned is that by asking for help, it's we are not, I, I guess that there's a, perception that asking for help is a weakness or that we're a burden onto others. But what would it look like if we shifted our perspective and saw asking for help as an opportunity to connect with somebody on a deeper level? It's because I asked for help 
and I built that support system with my neighbor that I now have one of the closest best friends I will always have in my life. And just from that one, that one moment of saying, I need help, that we went from a neighbor passing each other by just saying hi to building a deep, meaningful relationship and friendship. So powerful, Danielle. Oh my gosh. It gives me the chills just hearing that story. And it's so true that we need we need other people because we're not meant to go through this life alone, right? Like we're not meant to raise kids alone. We're definitely not meant to be in a field, you know, specifically for social workers. Like we help a lot of people. We give and give and give. And in the process, we're exposed to a lot of traumatic situations that we're just not meant to to do by ourselves, right? It's just so much to process in our head and in our minds, and we really have to be able to get it out. So I think it's really powerful the way that you phrased it is that it's a way of forming deeper connections by saying, hey, I just need help. And there's no shame to that, right? And I think that takes a heck of a lot of strength and courage to be able to one, acknowledge it for yourself, and two, say the words and ask for help. You know, that takes a lot of courage. Um, was that scary when you had to do that? It was really uncomfortable because I was never one to ask for help. I always kind of grew up in this, I can do everything on my own. I'm very independent. I was raised by a single mom. But it was something that I had to do in order to be able to take care of I believe that in order to take care of other people, we need to take care of ourselves first. And we've probably all heard the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup. And as you mentioned, Catherine, when it comes to being a social worker, your whole role is helping other people. But if you are coming from a place where you have an empty cup, you're exhausted, you're overwhelmed, you're tired, you're possibly irritable because you're stressed out. It's going to be really hard to pour into others if you're not pouring from the right cup. And so it's so important that we take care of ourselves. And I, I knew that that's what I needed, but it was really uncomfortable to ask. It's not something I'm normally uh, have done in previous years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And especially for myself, and I know a lot of our listeners that we were raised to be, you know, independent and a lot of our listeners have advanced degrees. And so we feel like, okay, now that we have this degree, we should know how to do everything and we should be able to handle everything ourselves, which is not true, right? Part of the maturity of just kind of growing up is knowing when, okay, I'm at my limit and that, you know, that's cool. It's just fact. It's no judgment, but I'm at my limit, but things still need to get done and it's okay to ask for help, um, which can be scary. So thank you for validating that for us. Um, I wanted to kind of switch gears a little bit and go into the second part of like the importance of self-belief. So can you kind of break that down as far as, you know, like what is, what is it that you mean by that? By self-belief. Well, a lot of times we all have this inner critic in our mind and it sows seeds of doubt. It, it It's that that inner critic that sits on our shoulder and tells us we're not smart enough, we're not pretty enough, we can't do a particular task, we can't be as successful as the other person. We start to do comparison where we're comparing ourselves to other people, what we perceive as success to look like on social media, and it creates this self-doubt within us. And 
it can be detrimental to our success and to our mental, emotional, and physical well-being when we start to doubt our capabilities. And what I've learned through experience is we're a lot more capable than we think that we are. And it's a matter of believing in ourselves because when we believe in ourselves, other people will believe in us. Yes, yes, definitely. And we definitely feel that. We feel the imposter syndrome, as some would call it, uh, where we just feel like we should be smarter or we don't apply for the job because maybe we don't meet 100% of the qualifications, but it really holds us back. And it does. Yeah, it's like putting limits on ourselves. And essentially, it's kind of making the decision for other people like, oh, well, they would never hire me. You don't know that. You don't know what their team is like, what their culture is like. Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you are enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to these ads from our sponsors. Have your clients had a hard time finding a therapist through their health plan? The National Union of Healthcare Workers is the nation's largest union of private sector behavioral healthcare providers, and a leader in the fight for mental health parity. This year, NUHW is working with allies to ensure that health plans maintain accurate, up-to-date listings of in-network providers. By eliminating so-called ghost networks, we can ensure that patients get timely access to care by finding mental health providers who are actually available and covered by their plan. Learn more at nuhw.org slash networks. The next time you need continuing education units, I highly recommend the Therapist Development Center. When I started this podcast, I reached out to the founder, Amanda Rowan, to see if she was interested in being a sponsor, and she jumped at the chance to support her fellow social worker. TDC has helped more than 100,000 social workers pass their licensing exam including myself. I love that TDC CE courses are engaging and relevant. Amanda and her experts give us clear and practical clinical skills that we can immediately apply to our work. Some of my favorites are the Edge of Life Suicide Prevention course, where Amanda shares her personal experiences and their They Did What Law and Ethics course that looks at real cases where therapists face formal disciplinary actions. They also have a great telehealth course. We are legally required to take continuing education to increase our competence, and most other courses out there don't actually teach the material in a way that we can learn it, but TDC does. You can also check out the links in the show notes. Okay, let's dig into this one a little bit because I just had this conversation with somebody the other day, uh, and I'm going to give some examples where we will look at, a lot of times people won't pursue a particular position because they don't have industry experience. Now, I understand that there are particular positions where you need to have certain credentials in order to even qualify a particular role. So I understand that. Also understand that industry does not always relevant to, it. it is one aspect of being relevant to experience. But look at 
your experience and the roles that you've had and the skill sets that are transferable. Because even though you may not have industry experience, you may have skill sets that you've developed in other industries that could be valuable to the particular position that you're applying for. So if you are, I knew somebody that was applying to a VP of operations position and they had experience and a background of owning their own business and they had experience of leading missions in the military. And so they had the operations experience, but they had in their head, I don't have experience as a VP. And I said, well, wait a minute. For 10 years, you were in the military. You led operations. You moved soldiers from one country to another. You planned missions. That is operations. That's a skill set that you have that's transferable into the VP of operations role. Let's say for, and then they also had experience of owning a business. That is a unique skill set in itself that also can be transferable into the particular position that this person was applying for. So I, I encourage people when they're looking at pursuing a promotion or a particular job, don't let that inner critic deter you from pursuing that position because you don't have the industry experience. Look at all the different roles that you've had and what are the transferable skills that you've had that can be applied to the position that you're applying to. And even if it's from a completely different industry, know that you are bringing value because you're providing a fresh perspective from another industry that could bring value to the new industry. Yes, definitely. Listener, go ahead and rewind that and listen to Danielle again, because that is gold. You have these transferable skills, even if you haven't directly worked in that position or that industry, chances are you have done some other type of work that is similar. There's overlap, even your own personal experiences. If you have lived experiences, that completely counts. So do not discredit yourself in that way. So thank you for that, Danielle. Um, I wanted to kind of bridge these two together, you know, building an advocate system and the importance of self-belief. So help us bring us all together. Like, let's see the big picture, Danielle. How, how does our advocate system really help to foster that sense of self-belief? I'm, I'm assuming this is just going to be about like having community around you, like the right people. Well, let's apply this in the career in in the when it comes to our professional environment. When you're looking to pursue a particular position, you really want to look at three different areas that are three different types of people that are going to support you in your advocate system or in your support system. Number one is going to be your mentor. What builds confidence is competence. So confidence builds competence. And in order to build competence, it's aligning yourself with mentors that can pour into you and develop you, uh, taking courses, additional courses. Now, I don't, I want to say that courses are actually, are absolutely valuable, but you don't want to fall into the trap of, I'm not going to pursue a position until I have every single credential that's available out there. Because that can also be on the flip side, that can be detrimental to our progress. So you want to ensure that you have the right certifications for the positions that they're requiring. But even just taking additional courses or classes or reading books or listening to podcasts, having somebody mentor you is going to help you build confidence. So you've got your mentor, then you've got your sponsor. A lot of the decisions that are made about our career happen when we're not in the room. I'm going to say that again. Many of the, many of the decisions that are made about our career 
happen when we're not in the room. And it's because a hiring manager is in a room with potentially other people. They've got all the resumes on the desk. They've just gone through all the interviews and they're deciding which candidate is going to move forward or not with the particular position. So those decisions happen when we're not there. And you want somebody in that room who's going to advocate for you, who's going to who's going to say, this is why we want Catherine in this particular position. This is the value that she brings to this organization. So you want a combination of a mentor who's going to mentor you, and you want somebody who's going to be either the sponsor or who's going to be the advocate for you when those decisions are being made in that room. Yeah, I love that because it really speaks to also to our need to understand what it is that we bring to the organizations. Right. So if we can't communicate the value that we bring, if we can't tell our sponsor or our advocate what it is that we can do, then, you know, then we're not even in in the room yet. Right. So exactly. Being able to like like what we said, right, communicate the values that we bring and and to know ourselves, right, to stop having those limiting beliefs and to be instead focused on the strengths that you bring, the experiences that you have. And really, you know, why, why you're unique, right? What skills do you have? What classes do you have? All, all of those things. So I wanted to make sure I don't mention anything because I was over here taking notes. I don't miss anything because you said the three types of people support you. Number mm-hmm. one is a mentor. Number mm-hmm. two is a sponsor or an advocate. Is there number three? And the other one is going to be a friend or a family member that's going to support you as well. Because there's going to be times where you're going to go through challenges and you're going to want somebody that you can have an open, honest conversation with who you're not going to have the fear of, will this affect my job? Because the mentor and the sponsor, more often than not, might be in the organization that you're working for. And so there is an element where you want to be transparent and candid with those people, but there's also sometimes you're not going to be able to share everything that's going on in your life. So having a family member or a friend, somebody that you can lean on and and talk through uh, when you're going through shifts within your life, professionally or personally, that's also going to be part of your support system. Yeah, so important. It's it's so important to have those people outside of work. I tell people all the time, you know, make friends and talk to people who aren't social workers because when we start hanging out with social workers, we start gabbing about, you know, oh, this assessment and this termination and suicidal ideation and all these like really depressing topics. Uh so it's good to get out with people who are not in our industry because also too they provide a different perspective right? Like you are not a social worker, but you have a totally valid perspective that helps us and to see things from a different, uh, from a different lens. So definitely, you know, have your social work friends, but also make sure that you have non-social work friends and family who you can just be you, right? Don't ever lose that as you go through these changes, like just be be you. And I, I think that as moms and we can lose that, it's easy to lose that when we're giving so much of ourselves to other people that that can become our identity where it's like, what am I if I can't do these things that a mom would, or that if I can't do these things that a, a partner would, right? But who are you? Like, what do you like to do? What would you do if, if nobody was there with you? Mm-hmm. Right. Those are the things that to to consider. I don't know if you've ever felt that identity shift for yourself, Danielle. 
I had a big identity shift in 2020. So 2020 was the year that everyone experienced change. So I am not shy. I'm not the I'm not the only person that experienced change in 2020 and I I acknowledge that. For me, I felt like I had lost my identity in every single area of my life because in 2020, my husband had just returned home from serving a year deployment in Iraq. So he was in Iraq for a year between the ages of when my kids were one and a half and two and a half years old. And as you can imagine, when he left, they were in cribs and they were learning to walk and they were kind of formulating their first couple words. And now he comes back and they're in toddler beds and they're formulating complete sentences and talking with him. And they're walking, they're running around at that at that point at two and a half years old. And so the shift from him going from a war zone in Iraq to two toddlers was a big change for the whole dynamic of our family. And we we struggled a little bit um, with reconnecting because we were he was gone for an entire year and I was a different person and he was a different person. Our kids were different. And right as we started to find our rhythm on March, so he returned January 26th. On March 8th, I lost my mom. And I lost my mom to suicide. Mm -hmm. So it was very unexpected. I was devastated. And right as I started to plan her celebration of life, March 13th, just a week later, the world had shut down with the pandemic. Yeah. So I was in a I was in a situation where I was trying to cope and heal from the loss of my mother while also trying to navigate what is this pandemic? What is COVID? And I was so and and the anxiousness that went around it because my child my children are immune compromised with respiratory. So there was a lot of uncertainty going on at that time. And then just a couple months later, after everything had shut down, I found myself in a very toxic work environment. The company that I had been with had had been acquired by another company and I had been there for seven years and I ended up leaving the organization along with several other people. So I had tied so much of my identity to my job title, my paycheck, my sales awards, uh, that I was a mother and a daughter and, and a wife. And I tied so much of my identity to everything external that I felt lost and confused. And I was, I, that's when I just kind of, went on this journey of self-discovery and and realized, took some specific steps in understanding how do I overcome this self-doubt? Because at that point I felt like, well, who's gonna who's gonna want me now? I felt like so broken and I didn't know what I want. I wanted clarity. And I went on a journey of self-discovery and then through healing. And that's when it inspired me to write my book, Unstoppable Grit. Yes, that's amazing. And thank you so much for sharing your story. I know that that's, um, that's extremely hard, very difficult um, to go through. And it shows the work that you've done on yourself to to heal from that. Because there's been a lot of times in your life that you've had extreme overwhelm, where it feels like I just don't know what to do. I don't know what's next to where you're literally just taking life minute by minute and trying mm-hmm. to make it through the best that you can. And our best looks different every day. And that's okay. Um, so tell us more, you know, kind of wrapping things up. Tell us about your book. What I want to hear about it. 
So the book is Unstoppable Grit, and it's Breakthrough the Seven Roadblocks Standing Between You and Achieving Your Goals. We've touched on one of them, which of course is self-doubt and imposter syndrome are some of the other roadblocks. But really, the goal of the book is to help people thrive amongst adversity, build resilience, and build a career and life that they love. I'm a big believer that we can have both a great life and a career. They're not mutually exclusive. We can have both. We can be in a, a present, amazing mom. We can be a loving spouse. We can be, we can have a thriving career. Um, and we can have it all. It's and we get to do it with balance and we get to do it with um passion and grit. Yes, I love this. I'm so excited for your book to come out. It is coming out on February 21st, 2024. Congratulations. And listener, if you, what, okay, you need to have this book in your hands. So there is a link in the show notes. If you're listening to this before February 21st, you can pre-order it. Um, if it's after, definitely order it right now because I don't want you to forget this. Very important, uh, super powerful information. Thank you so much, Danielle, for being here. Thank you. It was an honor to be on the podcast. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you love this episode, be sure to subscribe and text this episode to a friend. If you want more, there are a few ways we can get to know each other and work together. First, definitely subscribe to the Friday resource email list. The link is in the show notes. And that's where you can learn more about the courses I offer, including clinical essentials for the future therapist and the Pulse Basics for medical social workers. I'll also be sending out occasional tips and resources and other happenings within the social work industry. And for all your clinical supervision needs, be sure to visit risedirectory.com. This is a national directory of clinical supervisors for social workers, and we also provide free resources that you can use within your own clinical supervision. Lastly, if you have more individualized needs, I do offer coaching, individual consultations, and am available for public speaking engagements for social workers and change makers. Lastly, the boring legal stuff, but very important. The information in this podcast is not meant to be a supplement for therapy, professional advice, or clinical supervision. This content is provided as is solely for informational purposes. It is not legal, health, or safety advice. I am not advising you as a therapist. Organizations should engage their own experts to ensure any adoptive measures are compliant with applicable laws and standards in their jurisdictions. The opinions expressed by individuals or organizations are their own and do not reflect the views or opinions of Social Workers Rise or Catherine Moore. References to specific products or organizations do not constitute any endorsement or recommendations by Social Workers Rise.